Hello and welcome back to the Mr. Arsenal podcast with myself and as you can see James Driver joining me tonight. How are you doing James? Uh, very well, thank you. Long time no see. What's it been? 48 hours? Uh, no, 48 hours? Uh, what time did you finish on Sunday? I'm trying to think now. Yeah, yeah, about 48 hours, give or take. Yeah, about 48 hours. <laughs> A big thank you to uh, Transport for London for getting... Uh, uh, Ryan home safely to where he's got to go on the Piccadilly line and also uh, myself in London and then on to Amsterdam. So uh, a big thank you to Transport to London. It was a nice uh, nice walk back from the Emirates to Arsenal Tube with uh, with Ryan and good fun. So uh, nice to be on again. Yep, and also as you said, and also we didn't bump into lots of uh, James, uh, uh, Graham, the judges, um, Lottie, Lottie and... Um, Oh, George and all that. We popped back yep. and Lena, Sam came running literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a bit shocked. So I, I did tell him I was going to Nottingham Forest at home, but yeah, he, he saw me from afar and he came running as we were taking shelter from the rain. But um, a lovely way to finish my last Premier League home game this season. I'll be uh, I'll be at the Emirates for potentially the final time this season. Draws pending against Zurich on Thursday. But um, yeah, a lovely day, both on and off the pitch and uh, played really, really well. And um, yeah, just keep going. A couple more games before the World Cup starts in uh, in 19 days' time. And uh, very interesting times ahead. Very, very interesting. Before we get into the first game on Sunday, what are, what are your thoughts on what my thoughts were on the game itself? Mm. As we didn't, we didn't get to do it on Friday... How was your trip? I know we've discussed it, but to tell the mm. viewers and the listeners, what, how was your trip on Thursday? Yeah, yeah, it's three. The days are getting mixed up now, so <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, a busy week. We're free in a week, but you know, during standing still during Corona, this is what you want. You know, there were times during heavy lockdowns in the Netherlands where I wondered if I'd ever get back. So, you know, it's a real mm. privilege to have this particular week, and uh, yeah, Eindhoven was really nice and um. It was nice to help fellow, fellow Gooners in the city of Amsterdam on the squares not to be fleeced for their round of drinks. And um, I'll tell you a few anecdotes. I was with, um, it's quite normal here in the Netherlands that when it's good weather, on a social setting, you can always go out and sit on a terrace. And it'll be like a, on a square where you, the waiter will come to you and ask if you want anything in particular. So we had, um, I, I took a, what they call a terrasia, in, uh, in Dutch, a terrace with a couple of gooners. And we had the waiter come up to us. And obviously, being Arsenal fans, he started to speak in English. And he made it quite clear that the group is going to receive their alcoholic drinks in, uh, in plastic cups. And um, I said to him in his mother tongue, and he was a little bit shocked, he almost dropped his tray. I said, did you do the same for Bodo Klimt and FC Schurich at home? And he said, no, he said, we've been um, we've been instructed today to only do it today. So I said, you know, our, our reputation somewhat precedes us. But it was nice to um, to help a few gooners, you know, so that they don't get, you know, charged double or people thinking that they're not going to not going to pay any notice. But if you've got a local there that OK doesn't live in Eindhoven, but lives in, in Amsterdam and lives in the country, then obviously they're not going to try anything on. Hmm. And then with the. Uh, the actual going into the stadium, first and foremost, you had to hand your ticket to the steward. And it was nice to have a chat with her. And I was telling her that I was uh, born and raised in the UK, but emigrated to the Netherlands oh, 16 and a half years in two weeks' time. And then you, the, the away end at PSV Eindhoven, you go up steel stairs. And then you go through like a tunnel where you've got a long tunnel of all stewards waiting for you. And they had everyone searched. And uh, I was searched by one young lady and she was really taken aback about uh, speaking her mother tongue because I don't think she expected that. And uh, But obviously, from you know, it's my my advantage. And she said to me, oh, um, if you go straight on to the left, you can get a, um, a blue wristband that gives you um, a free travel back from Eindhoven to Amsterdam, which is lovely because I, even though I have a discount with the train here in the Netherlands with the NS, um, it, mm. it literally cost me... Eindhoven there and back from Amsterdam, which is an hour and a half, hour, 15 minutes if you get the, the quick train. Um, it cost me 12 euros return. 
and uh, the, the game wasn't great. We we really did underestimate um, F- uh, PSV, who had an awful result against um, FC Groningen the weekend before. You know, so they really fought back hard. Um, as I said on this podcast a couple of times, Ryan, that there is no doubt Van Nistelrooy talks really, really well. There can be no doubt about that. You know, in terms of his press conferences, he's, he's very friendly, very to the point. He's not rude. I think, it, I think that's something that's going to hold him in good stead. I really do. And you see a lot of, um, you know, his, his media training as a player. You can, can really see that with him as a manager. Mm. And uh, we underestimated PSV. You know, Cody Hakpo, Xavi Simons. I did warn you during the, um, the, um, the live stream we did when I popped on a couple of times for the home leg about Mr. Joey Fearman. And he didn't mm. prove me right with that, with that great hit. And um, I'm pleased. I was pleased that Ramsdale started, you know, but he's got that little bit of a European experience now. I wonder if he's going to play against FC Schuylis. And, um, you know, so if he does play Champions League football next year in the Allianz, in the Bernabeu or in the San Siro, then he's, he's got that little bit of, um, of experience to fall back on. But it, it wasn't the greatest performance, but congratulations to, um, to PSB. All the PSB fans singing the famous... Uh, Monty Python's song "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life" when there was two 0 up was quite funny, <laughs> but um, they, they've got a good sense of humour. I, I um, my train my train journey down from Amsterdam, the further down you go, Utrecht and Hertogenbosch towards Eindhoven, that more and more PSV fans were getting in the train and. You know, I didn't say hello. My name is James. I'm an Arsenal fan. You just sit there, and mm. be polite. And I had I had a, two young PSV fans. I think they must have been in their um, their early to mid twenties. And one of them said, uh, "Oh yeah, Arsenal have only lost one game this season, and that was away at United. They've done really, really well." And it was on the tip of my tongue to say to him, "I didn't," but it was on the tip of my tongue to say, um, "You are right." But I was also at the home games against Aston Villa and Fulham. And both mm. of them could have easily been draws. So, uh, you know, a, a good European night, you know, great experience nonetheless. You know, delighted to have uh, a second European away day, Ajax in 2003 and PSV in 2022. And uh, I'm hopeful of Leo Betis or Leo dad at some point in this Europa League season. But um, mm. we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. You have to take your chances when they come. The, the important thing is it was a, a wonderful experience, you know, to help to help fellow Gooners to be in complete control, to be taken completely seriously, is uh, is great, you know. And, but it's testament to the hard work, you know, when you um, mm. when you emigrate to a country, when you have a good command of the language, where you end up interviewing, you know, players that played in World Cups and players that um, you know went on to achieve great things with the national team. It's uh, it's testament to that. But it's always important to stay modest, of course. Oh yes, one hundred percent. And just as you, you touched on it uh, down your about uh, Ramsdale and all that about obviously his debut, what, and if we were to make the Champions League next season, it's good to have that experience. And for me, I do want Ramsdale to play on Thursday. I do. Want, mm. if, I, if I'm honest, I don't. I've said this. I, think, I said this. I think I've said this to you before, and I said it on the podcast before. I'm not a fan of this. The number two goalkeeper for your club, if you're in Europe, is mm. your number one for European football. If, mm. if my number one in general is available, again, okay, again, call me old-fashioned because I've grown up with this, David Seaman and Nick mm. Lehman. Yeah. If a number one's available, he has to play. Yeah, if he's fit as well. Yeah, if, if he's fit. If he's, fit. If he's, if he's, yes, I'll you, if he's available and he's fit and there's no injury concerns whatsoever, he has to play. Mm. And again, I said this, I think I said this to you last week when we were doing our back, the back and forth for, that, uh, for the first, the home leg. We've got players in this squad that haven't played European football up to this mm. season, even though they probably have done now, but up to this point. And the lots of them still hadn't until Thursday. Mm. And the more the more he gets experience-wise now, the more prepared he is, and the more prepared the other players are that haven't got that experience as an individual or as a unit, mm. the more prepared we will be next season. Because it's all well and good. Putting Matt, Matt Turner, he ain't done. Don't get me wrong. Matt Turner's done nothing wrong, and he has played mm. uh, for us in the in the Europa League so far this season. Touch wood. Um, but yeah, it's all well and good qualifying for the Champions League, and then come the Champions League. Oh, by the way, Vams was like, even he's our number one goalkeeper, and you know what? It's Champions League now. Sorry, Matt, you're on the bench. 
Ramsdale, you're playing. And then it's a, it's a daring head nice because it's a, it's a first for him. And it, that's when mistakes come into play that could knock his confidence and not just, mm. not just uh, for the club level, but from an international point of view, because he's got a good, he's got a big chance at this moment in time to put his claim as number one. Got a competition, mm. but he's got a good chance. And along with Ben White and players like that, and so I do want to see. I do want to see more consistent. I think we will see it more so in the knockout rounds now after this Thursday. But I do want to see him play on Thursday. But I think knockout rounds onwards, we're going to see the bulk of our first team, as long as they're available and injury free, mm. playing. And they need to play because they need to be, they need to be prepared. Because if they don't, we know what's coming. Mm. If we do qualify for Champions League next season, Touchwood. Well, I think you make a great point about Ramsdale playing at home to Zurich, and then he's got two different scenarios. He's played at home mm. in Europe, and he's played away in Europe. And Zurich, mm. if they beat us, they go into the Conference League. So that's enough motivation for them. And um, I think as well with the, the Champions League, the, the key thing for me, Brian, is next season's Champions League is the last one before it gets completely revamped and becomes a European Super League in everything but name. So, it, it literally, if we are Arsenal and we're going to win that cup, we've got to, in theory, qualify this year and win it next. I know both scenarios, I know the second scenario in particular is highly unlikely, but, you know, we had a, we had a, a quarter of a century of participation where just to be included was enough. I mean, I still remember my first ever Champions League game against Dynamo Kiev as a 15-year-old. And I remember the programme. I remember going to Wembley. Belichamp scored for us. Shevchenko scored for them. Revrov also played. And I remember flicking through the programme and they had like the, the, the other groups. And I'd never seen it before. I mean, I was, I was too young to remember Benfica with Isaias in um, in 1992 but even that was on, only on VHS and I never saw that live I remember the first mm. leg in Lisbon where I thought that uh, the word ricochet actually meant a Portuguese winger but it wasn't it was the word ricochet <laughs> <laughs> and um, and um, you know so it's the first time I had it in my hand and I, I remember groups like PSV and Stellum Flas and a couple of others and I remember sitting at Wembley with an older gentleman and um, he said to me, oh, this is, this is great, isn't it? And I wasn't rude to him, but obviously as a 15-year-old, highly motivated gooner, I remember saying to him, excuse me, we're in this to win it. We're not in it just to participate. Yeah. And then, you know, getting beat by, getting beat by Lons, getting beat by Fiorentina, uh, moving to Highbury and then getting to the... Um, the quarterfinal straight away, winning the first leg uh, and then going to Mestaya. And I, I still remember the the radio commentary, you know, where they had the likes of Angulo, they had the likes of John Carew, they had the likes of Santiago Canizaro. And I'm, I remember when that goal went in, where we're not going to make it to the semi-final and they went on to lose the final, Valencia. How different... Yeah, how different that, that would have been. And, uh, you know, I remember the, the group phases and I think I've still got the programmes because back then I was still an avid collector. But that season, when we was back at Highbury in the Champions League, I believe the only game I got to was Shakhtar Donetsk. And back then, mm. this is, I believe, September 2001, nobody knew who they were. Nobody. Obviously, obviously, Shakhtar is now a household name in Ukrainian football and European football, having won a European trophy. But back then, nobody knew who they were. It was like um, it was like the uh, the ticket going spare that you couldn't get shot off. Do you want it, James? Yeah, I love it. It's European football, isn't it? But uh, it, it's all part of the memories. I think we we were one 0 down in that game, and I think Keown scored twice. What Keown twice? Yeah, and un <laughs> unreal and. And I remember the following seasons. I remember, I think it was um, to, uh, the following season after that, I managed to get to a fair few European games. I think it was, um, of, uh, I went to all the home games and here in Amsterdam, which my, changed my life completely, you know. So uh, thanks to Arsenal and thanks to UEFA, because uh, 
if that draw would have never taken place in the second in the second group phase, I might mm. not be talking to you now, especially not from where I am. But um, it just goes to show with European football, we've got so many memories, but the memories where it's all about winning, we haven't got that many. We've got a few, and, um, yeah. And uh, as I said to you outside the stadium on um, on Sunday, I don't want to face Ren Aleo Betis or Aleo Sociedad. I also said it to um, to Sam in a WhatsApp chat. But mm. other teams in the uh, Europa League, I'm not scared of any. But I am wary, mm. however, of Aleo Betis, Aleo Sociedad and Ren. And you made a great point mm. on Sunday where you said that they played us. They played us in um, in London in 2019, mm. not so long ago. But how many people wasn't really awake to the fact that they are a good side? I mean, they yeah. had Clement Grenier, they had Ben Arfa, they had Benjamin Borisio, who I cannot believe for the life of me still hasn't been picked up. I remember reading on a, a BBC website that Leicester were looking at him for eight million pounds. Well, if I had eight million pounds, I'd pay the money. Yeah. He's, he's, he's that good. But I suppose it's just a sign of the times where if if it's not worth 50 million quid, he must be rubbish. And as I've said on, on this it's channel, a fair few time, yeah, as I've said on the channel a fair few times, Ryan, as well, that, um, you know, I always encourage fellow fans, whether they're Arsenal fans, whether they're football fans, if there's a player that you like, that you think, oh, he's pretty good or she's pretty good, keep an eye on them. Just, just keep mm. an eye on them. See see what they're up to, you know. I mean, people will know that I'm a huge fan of Mark Albrighton. I know he's not yeah. he's not a spring chicken anymore, but it is an absolute disgrace that the man's never been capped by England. I've never seen yeah. him give the ball away. And he was as important to Leicester in that championship season as Jamie Vardy and Riyad Mahrez. But, and he's never been capped by England. I find it uh, absolutely unbelievable. The same as Brian Linson in the Netherlands. He, he now plays his football in Japan. And you would think, oh, if he's playing in Japan, he's, you know, maybe he's kind of tailed off. He's still good enough to play at the highest level. Mm. Again, I, I cannot understand for the life of me how he has not been capped. The amount of goals and assists he provided for Vitesse and Feyenoord and before that, what he did for Hedeklas Almelo and Groningen, nothing short of incredible. But you see how he didn't quite get that luck. And then Denzel Dumfries, although he plays in a different position, coming up the traditional way, Sparta Rotterdam, Hedenvein, PSV, and now into Milan and being linked with Chelsea. Mm. You know, he was very much a late bloomer. But I, it's just very much a, a sign of the times. I mean, we, we, we're going to speak about the Forest game and... What's Sam Surridge doing on the bench? I think he's a very good player. What's he yeah. doing on the bench? I mean, I'm I'm not a Forest a fan. Key, and again, he's a key, and he was a key part. Yeah, again, he's about the key parts about Leicester, about Albright. He was a key part about Forest getting up last season. Exactly. What's he doing on the bench? And the cup run. Let's not forget the cup run either. They had no, and it's you know, but I mean, I couldn't believe Bournemouth let him go, and I think he had a, I think he had a loan spell on at Stoke. I think. Vince Bell. Um, yeah. yeah. And, I looked at their starting lineup, and it's something I've always done since I was a kid. You know, when you look at the the lineups of a um, of uh, the opponent, you're always thinking, "Oh, I mean, I rate Yates. I think he's good. Freuler, um, it's um, the number mm. twenty three for Forest. You know, play for Gladbach. And every time I've seen him play for Switzerland, he's looked really good. Mm. So I knew that Yates and Freuler would be um, would be uh, good players, but I couldn't believe with Sam Surridge on the bench. Couldn't believe that, but again, it's it's as if that you know Forest, massive football club. They've some they've won something twice that we haven't won once. That's all. You, so so yeah. that's just about that one. In an age where it was very difficult to win it, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not difficult now, but in that in that age, you only had um, you only had uh, the champion, and uh, Forest also knocked out Ajax, I believe, when they had their uh, Hmm. They're, um, the players coming towards the end of that magnificent 70s team, but still, you still got to knock them out. And um, I just think Forrest got promoted off the back of a off the back of a knee, which was an own goal from a Chelsea low knee. And you see about hmm. the fine lines in um, in professional football. By the same token, Huddersfield would have gone up 
and Forest would have stayed down. And Huddersfield look as if they're going to have a job to stay up. So that's when you really understand that the timing is, is nothing short of incredible. No, exactly. And I think another thing with Forest as well that is coming apparent is we've it, it gets mentioned, but I'm going to mention it in a different way. Is because they had to again. I'm not going to have a dig at them prime players, the, the amount of players they did, because they had to buy players. They had to buy experience along with the, players, the other players, etc. that bulk their squad out, because people tend to forget with the first team last year, but the, the bulk of that squad was players that were on loan from X, Y, and Z. Jed mm. Spank being one of the big players from Forest last year, he was on loan from Middlesbrough, who's now been went back, wasn't given the option to go back to Forest, was sold immediately to Tottenham, and he's not mm. doing nothing now. And it, for for a manager, didn't even want him apparently, from what we're being told via people this X, Y, and Z. And so, Forest had to replace them players and add experience along the way. Mm. But the the problem that comes with that is the uh, constantly the, the eleven keeps changing in terms mm. of the out in terms of the outfield play. The goalkeepers, the goalkeepers are only or even though he's on loan from May United and Henderson. He's only he's the only con, uh, constant. There's always a mix up in the defence. Up there'll be a tweak yeah. here and there, for different day on midfield. With Justin Ingard's plays the odd game here and there, and the mm. from what we're seeing so far this season, the full due respect to the lad mm. and the striker. They, they haven't in a league where you need goals, especially yeah. to stay up. Even to stay up, you need goals. You need a you need a striker that's going to be. Play, be he is the main part. That is no matter what, unless he's injured, like we said about Ramsey and all that earlier. Unless mm. he is injured, he is the vocal point. He is the starter, no matter what. And I thought when they brought Emmanuel Dennis in, I thought maybe he'll be the one because he's got that experience at Watford mm. from at Premier League level. But again, it's like hit and miss. It's like they're trying to share the minutes around, and you can't do that, especially with a team that's been out of the league for so long. Exactly. Like almost a, a quarter of a century. And, you know, I, I interviewed Harry Tofolo last season when he was at Huddersfield. And he was, you know, the opportunity to play in the Premier League. He, he even mentioned Lewis O'Brien, his compatriot, you know, who was mm. uh, who came on as a sub on Sunday. But you you just see that, you know, I mean, Forrest signed a player called, I think, Julian Bancone at Troyes. Yeah. Now, he's a very good player. How comes he doesn't start? I mean, I, I'm not a manager, but if I'm Forrest manager... Banconi is starting, Surrey mm. is starting, Froiler is starting, and Yates is starting. And then you build the rest around that. And yeah. I think with, with with Dean Henderson as well, I know he's a very confident young man, and that's a great thing to have, that confidence. But I don't think he's going to the World Cup. And if no. he doesn't go to the World Cup and he he doesn't he doesn't enjoy that decision, you know. The Netherlands here, they're talking about four goalkeepers and Van Gaal's a little bit um, a little bit um, overzealous with the penalty science where, you know, he's wanting to take reaction times and measure mm. people's wrists and all that and the reach and all that. And I just think that Dean Henderson, you know, the interview that he gave on TalkSport as well on the eve of the season, mm. I don't know who signed that off. Um also, with, with the unveiling of Lingard, you know, the small details make a massive difference. And I went for that Forest job of uh, press officer. I mean, it's, it's, you know that. I don't know if the people yeah. that, um, I don't know if the people watching know that, but I went for that Forest job and uh, they gave me feedback on my birthday, but I, I didn't make it. Okay, fine. But it was great to get feedback from such a, a wonderful club. Mm. But if I'd have got it, I certainly wouldn't be printing shirts of Jay Ling's. I, no. I certainly wouldn't be, you know, sending out tweets saying, you know, we're ready for the Wolf, trying to chastise Wolverhampton Wanderers, especially away from home at Molyneux. I'd, I would be looking to the past a little bit mm. and evoking the spirit of Clough and Frank yeah. Clark. And it's not even my club, but you, you're talking about professionalism. I would be evoking the spirit of Brian Clough and Frank Clark and that kind of thing. Obviously, uh, having interviewed the Nottingham Forest all-time Premier League top scorer, which is, I think, 
in the Premier League, uh, Brian Roy, you know, mm. when he spoke to me about Forrest, he said to me, James, if we'd have kept Stan Collymore, who went on to sign for Liverpool, if we'd have kept him, I'm convinced we would have won the league. And that was a player who, you know, was playing really well for mm. Forrest. And I just think that, you know, I've, it's a long old season, but I just think that within the professional the realms of professional football now, that there, there are awash with money, but it doesn't mean to say that you have to kind of let your guard slip. You've got to be mm. literally on it. You've got to be literally on it. And I just think that Forrest, they've just rushed a couple of things. You know, they've just, they've just rushed. Like, like you said, a great point about needing goals, you know. So, uh, be very interesting to see um, how it goes. And uh, looking forward to uh, Thursday as well. Before I sign off, Ryan, I wanted to say about the amazing work from uh, Gabriel Jesus and um, mm. Martin Odegaard for uh, Reese Nelson's second goal. I was mm. right on the 18-yard box for that. And they'll be showing that on the big screen at the Emirates before too long, along with Rocky's amazing goal and uh, Ian Wright breaking the record and Thierry Henry's goal against Spurs. It was just amazing intricacy. And I know that Reese Nelson came to the Netherlands, but when he arrived here at final on loan, when he arrived in the Netherlands, he, um, he, the manager, Arne Slot, said he wasn't fit. And that he also had kind of like a muscle problem, which needed to be healed. And also as well, I hope that Reese Nelson can now kickstart his career because he's obviously a very intelligent young man. But my personal opinion is, Ryan, I don't think he was completely aware of the size of a club like Feyenoord, where, mm. yes, PSV and Ajax are bigger. But in terms of club affection and player affection... Feyenoord are number one. If they if they see their player giving their all, they will fight tooth and nail for him and they will stand by him in the good mm. times and the bad when he doesn't have a good game and that kind of thing. And I'm not quite sure that Reese Nelson really grasped that opportunity with, with um, both hands. But I did say to the guy next to me in the North Bank that we have a lot to thank Feyenoord for regarding Reese Nelson. And we have a lot to thank William Saliba, uh, Marseille for regarding William Saliba because every time I see him, he looks better and better and better. And we, we've got to try to keep him out of clutches of Paris Saint-Germain because I think yeah. they, they, just... they're going if, to... Oh, if he carries on like this, they will be in for him next summer. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it, yeah, but sure. I think I said before, shortly before I go, and I'll say it once again because I think it's the most important part People are saying that Saliba is a, is a Rolls-Royce of a defender, and he is. He's been amazing this season. Mm. But I think the most impressive thing for me, you arrive at Arsenal, you can't get a game for the under-23s, you are overlooked, you weren't allowed to play in the cup final for St Etienne against Paris Saint-Germain, you were told you can't play. St Etienne lost that final 1-0 to Paris Saint-Germain, and are now a second division team. You imagine going through all that as well as I think a personal loss. Couple and personal coming, losses, yeah. Yeah, and personal losses. And you imagine going through all that and then coming out the other side being the defender you are. So for me, it's not just about the football with Saliba. I think the human element of him, mm. I think we've got to start calling him Superman because that is nothing short of unreal. No, no, and, uh, yeah, I'd no. Tip, I, I tip my hat to him. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, sorry, before we wrap things up, I was, I've been saying that as well. It's not just, not just this season when he's been playing first, but I've seen it last season with the reports of what I've seen of him at Marseille, what the reports were getting week by week. And I was saying the things that he's got the look, he came for the sign first, went back to St. Etienne, and his attitude straight from the off was, I want to iron out the kinks, I want to be the best I can be for Arsenal. Da, 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 da. Mm. Obviously, then COVID hit that season, and the season got cut short. And then, as you said, the final, you got told he couldn't cut, he couldn't go to that play that final, whether they extend the loan, etc. You'd say, mm. amongst all that going off there, he has a couple of personal losses as we, we just touched on there. Mm. The mental fatigue he would have been going through at that time, and then as you say, try to get we try to get him out on loan back to the league on, didn't work out in that summer. So put him back in, put him into, put him into the under twenty three squad or under twenty one squad. So he couldn't get a game. Love for love the money, and when he did, he was a little bit um, 
the odd game where he didn't look all right. Mm. He eventually got him out to Nice straight away because he's back home with his family, grieving mm. as well as everything else. We start, he started maturing and he just got on with his game. He did, and then the main thing amongst all this, and as you say, the, the, the to and fro for and Etienne and all that, he never once went to the media and went, mm. Arsenal treating me wrong, Arteta's this, Arsenal this, Cronkies this. He's mm. been the utmost professional. For a young lad, not, he was 19 at the time, he's like 21 now. Yeah. For maturity of that ilk, mm. You can't buy that. You cannot buy that. And that's a huge respect to his family as well. Oh, absolutely. It's um it's it's very rare. And we we've got we've got to enjoy him. You know, I mean Marseille tonight playing against Spurs and I love to quote Arsenal Light, that's what I call them. Yeah. <laughs> I love to quote I saw a quote from Sanchez today where mm. he said that I loved my time at Arsenal, particularly playing with the fans. And Marseille, yeah. are, Marseille are the biggest club in France. They are. If, yeah. if you say if you say to someone who is the biggest club in France, is Marseille the biggest club in France? Yeah. If you know and, if you know your French 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 domestic club history, you you mm. know that you don't go and but you don't go and recent billionaire history. Yeah. Or I mean, in PSV, PSV were a fusion that are only fifty two years old. I mean, Ooh. neither of us are fifty two. But you know, but you see, you see about the, the difference in that. And I'm not just saying it because it's Spurs and we're on an Arsenal podcast. I said when the draw was made, Marseille would go through, and I'm sticking to it. Mm. I'm sticking to it. And you see and about talk, you see about talk sports saying, "Oh, it's a failure if Spurs don't get through." It's a tough group, is what it is. I mean, we apart from Marseille, we've played the other two opponents in recent years, and we didn't win. Mm. And that was in the Europa League, mm. so that's, that, that that tells you all you need to know. We didn't win. We won in Frankfurt, well, but we didn't. Yeah. We won in Lisbon, but we didn't. We didn't beat Frankfurt at home, and we didn't beat Sporting Lisbon at home. And also with Frankfurt, this as is, Lisbon historically a great, a big club and a great club in Portugal. One, mm. uh, one of obviously Porto, and you got Braga and all that. But Frankfurt uh, have won a European Cup recently. Not yeah. the European Cup, but they've won a Europe, They've won the Europa League. They're they're in exactly. it by merit. Yeah, and then, when that draw was made, I was like, "Thank fuck, we didn't qualify in here, actually." Because you know what, yeah. we would have had it. it you've, as difficult as Tottenham have had it, yeah, they've got European experience in that team. We've got, yeah. as, I, as I said, apart from a couple of players in our squad, mm. next to none. Yeah, and I think even though I think it would have been, I think again it would have gone down like it has done today. The last match day for all four clubs. Yeah. No, I think I think it would have been, been, been squeaky for us to get through by second if we were lucky. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fantastic point. As difficult as as they've had it, we would have had it. I think that's an absolutely uh, amazing uh, amazing point, um, Ryan. I tip my hat. What a way to uh, to sign off and finish the segment. Fantastic, pal. Well done. <laughs> no pressure to have them put on in. Have you ever shown now? <laughs> no, but before we literally before we wrap things up, I want to get because obviously you're at the game on Thursday. You're coming back for that. Mm-hmm. What what are your as you said? What are your thoughts? What's your, what's your score prediction? Because as you said earlier in the stream, um, Zurich have got something to fight for as well. Yeah, they can't just they're not they're not going to just rely on PSV doing their job. Put it that way. No, they will uh, they will be motivated. I predict we will win two one. I'm going for a two-one win, and should mm-hmm. should we finish second? We've got to be positive, of course. But mm-hmm. should we finish second? I don't want to hear a meltdown from Arsenal fans. Oh, oh, no, finish second, Barcelona, <laughs> Atletico Madrid, Juventus. Oh no! I'm telling you now, Betis are more dangerous than Juventus. Sociedad are more dangerous than Atletico, especially in their own backyard. Mm. You know, but as I say, people might say you're mad. No, I'm. If you, if you look at the timing, you mentioned Frankfurt. They were knocking on the door. Do you remember Chelsea knocked them out on penalties when they went on to beat us in the final? Yeah. Yeah. So three, they were knocking on the door, having knocked out Inter, and I believe knocked out Benfica. So they were knocking yeah. on the door when they got knocked out of the semi-final. Three years later, they win it. So when you're knocking on the door, like Ren are knocking on the door now. If Ren finished top, which I think they will, um, I think they'll they'll win with a shout. I know people will say, "Oh, French teams in Europe," but uh, 
I mean, I've backed Arsenal, but it's more heart above head. But um, as I said before, I'll be shocked if the last eight does not include Arsenal, Aleo Sociedad, uh, Stadlin and Aleo Betis. So never mind the Champions League uh, dropouts. Never mind them. Hopefully we'll get what we need and we'll go through to the last 16. And uh, when that quarterfinal draw is made, hopefully when we were dispatch of the last 16, mm. uh, I can see if my prediction was right. Yeah, and uh, I've got to agree with you. In terms of the teams that are dropping down from the top, the, the elite competition in Europe, which is an elite competition, you know what I'm saying? These yeah. elite clubs, Barca are not what they used to be. Even mm. now, they're not what they are. What what, what they were, sorry, in the year, uh, five, ten years ago, whenever it was, that golden generation, they're not yeah. that team anymore. They've got players, but they're not that. Xavi's earning on the job as well, but they're not, they're not that. Juventus... They're going through Legri going through a rebuild. There's a lot of pressure on him, hence why they're falling out. I'm even more pressure now because they're falling out the way they have. Mm. Domestically, they're struggling as well. I think they're around they're outside the Europeans, around mid table, outside the European spots. Last time I checked, mm. but they're struggling. Valadovic, who we all for the entire fan base went into meltdown because we didn't get he ain't done nothing, he ain't mm. pulled up Motri since his little new club burst that he had back in January. He's gone off mm-hmm. a performance cliff wise compared to what he was at Fiorentina. Um, I don't think they've got Juventus, they've got them, um, Atletico Madrid, an aging team. They've got some great players, don't get me wrong, and Yao Felix and all that, yeah. Um, but still, it's an aging team. We can get at them, they're, they're gettable. They're, they're, I mean, the, the fact that the matter is they're falling that into the league and Club Rouge, who no yeah. one in that no one gave them a chance, have only conceded one goal. In the entire yeah. competition so far, and won the yeah. group that consists of Porto, Atletico, and yeah. Leverkusen. Yeah, D- difficult away days. A penny for Real Madrid, a penny for West Brom's thoughts, because I believe mm. the manager of the, man, the manager of Bruges used to play for West Brom, if memory serves me rightly. And this is this is what I mean about going and doing something that not everybody thinks about. I mean, imagine if West Brom rang up Carl Hoofkins and said, would you like to manage West Brom? Of course he would have said yes. Mm. And now he's, he's taken uh, Club Brugge, Club Brugge, as we say in the Netherlands, to, uh, to the last 16, and they won't be pushovers. And then, yeah. But it just, it just goes to show a great point as well, Ryan. You can have all the Super Leagues you want. We, we love this game because there's always surprises. Who mm. was going to say that Benfica, Club Brugge and potentially Napoli was going to end up in the last 16 of the Champions League this season after the draw was made. Not many. Not many. So you can have all your your coveting, all your, all your um, you know, avoiding relegation and, and close shop. But the fact remains the real fans love the game because it's unpredictable. That's, what, that's why we're here. We're yeah. here because it's un, impredict, unpredictable in the Euro, Euro, European Super League. As, as I said uh, on a channel um, on your channel a couple of weeks back, nobody can take your memories away from you. They can't no. wipe your memories away. Your memories of Dortmund at home, Milan at home, Valencia at home, you know the likes of Atletico Madrid at home as well. Being mm. here in the Netherlands and seeing the likes of Barcelona, Ajax, and mm. Ajax Paris Saint Germain, and Ajax Benfica, nobody can take your memories away. No. And if you you mentioned Atletico, do you remember that the 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 hunger of Atletico when we played them and they knocked us out in the semi final? Yeah, and that team, they are a shadow of what they used to be because yeah. the manager has been there too long. And Simeone the also says said, that. Well, the brother, yeah, sorry, the brother says that a lot, is actually because he he likes to watch a lot of league of football as well, and he has yeah. he said it for the last year and a half, two years now. Yeah. That Simeone's been there too long now. What's he got yeah. to take for? And I think winning the title when they did a couple of, last season, season before, yeah. brought, him, brought him more time. But even then, they've fallen up. They've gone, they've gone, they've gone from that height and gone yeah. domestically now. I, I think they're tired of his voice. And he, yeah, he, did like, a Fer- like... he, he, he did a Ferguson where he announced he was going to leave in 2000. Well, Ferguson announced he was going to leave in 2003 and he didn't. Yeah. Simeone announced he was going to leave in 2018, and he didn't. And I, I bet, I bet, he re- I bet he regrets that now because I'm, I'm delighted for Unai Emery, but 
you know, if if that Atletico job would have come up, Emery would have been a fantastic opportunity. Would have been a fantastic mm-hmm. choice. You yeah, know, won can... the Europa League, won the Europa yeah. League with with, uh, with Sevilla. You know, won the Conference League with Villarreal. Give Atletico for that last for that last push. But um, as we say, timing is really important. Yeah. Um... And and again, you know, I am with a lot with players like yeah, Felix at his fingertips. Basically, would have would have performed wonders, possibly, especially in yeah. La Liga, because mother tongue in terms of being in it's a, it's a Spanish team, one of the biggest teams in Spain as well. Confidence wise, massive confidence boost, a, a chance to prove himself even more so mm-hmm. at a so called elite European club. When I, when I say that, I mean because obviously. People don't won't regard what he's done at Sevilla and historically and more recently in um, Villarreal. They won't regard that as the, the big achievements. There's people out there that won't recognise that because it doesn't suit their agenda and t- attacking you and I for whatever reason. Well, more, more for them, but the, I mean, they, the will won five able, they will not be able to tell. Yeah, four. But five. Just, he won five, five finals and won four. Yeah. But not just that, Ryan. He got pro- Al Maria promoted for the first time in twenty-four years. And his nobody first talks job. About that. His first job. No, nobody talks about that. But he got Al Maria promoted for the first time in twenty-four years, and I think they beat Valencia, and I think they drew with Barcelona. Yeah, you know, and, and as we said, we spoke about it the other day. I yeah. think it was on the channel itself, on itself, not in person, but exactly about the other day. About mm. obviously when you've got, he's been appointed for the manager. Yeah. You've got the English media over there that work for fucking basically on Talksport, but work for Sky basically. Going, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, but I'm not sure about you and I am. He's never been in a relegation battle. But like he said he had to go through that with his first ever job once he got promoted. Exactly. I read a, I read an article today, Ajax Rangers tonight. Mm. Uh, maybe I'm too old fashioned, and maybe I'm a, maybe I'm, maybe I'm. People will say, "Oh, James, you're too old. I'm not that old." The, the written article, Ryan, uh, they didn't put the Dutch names of the teams properly. It, it mm. read like they were place names. Volbeg, Volendam, Heerenveen. But they, these are place names. They're not football mm. clubs. No. SC Heerenveen, FC Volendam, RKC Volbeg, mm. which translates to Roman Catholic combination of Volbeg. And maybe it's just me, but BBC signed that off. BBC signed it. I said this this before, just in general from UK media. UK media in in general is just lazy. Yeah. And lazy, arrogant. Yeah. It's the main two. Ignorance. Ignorance is the key word. Well, absolutely. I mean, when I did my interviews and I do everything written, you go out of your way. To make sure it's written, you write it what it is. If it's Stad Rene, then you write Stad Rene. If mm. you're talking about Heerden Fein, you're not talking about the 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 city of Heerden Fein. You're talking about SA Heerden Fein, which com- which uh, translates to Sporting Club Heerden Fein, and that kind mm. of thing. But uh, it's it's been an yeah. absolute pleasure tonight, Ryan. Really enjoyed no it, and I hope everybody yeah. else has. And we will yeah. catch up soon. Hopefully, we don't have to do a. Uh, a show where we have to uh, talk about our opponent for the game in February if we don't win on Thursday. But I believe we will. But if we do finish second, then we'll have to get on and do another show and and speak about the um the, the, draw the opponent. Yeah, yeah. I believe the, I believe the draw for that is the seventh of November. So I'll I'll leave it with the viewers that if we do finish second, I don't think we will. I think we'll win two one. No. But should we do? Should we do? Should, should we finish second? I shall be back on to discuss um, to discuss our uh, potential Champions League opponent, and it could well be Ajax. Who knows? And then then there's no trains, there's no buses, there's no planes. I don't think just, simply crossing, <laughs> just simply crossing the road. So yeah. that would be quite nice. Yeah, I don't think the judges will want to go back to Ireland. Uh, go back to Holland in, 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 immediately. No. <laughs> well, I did. Well, obviously. I, I know Lee, we are friends. Yeah. And um, obviously, he's got his commitments. When the draw was made, I said to him, Look, you can have our spare room if you want it. If you want the spare room during your stay, you can have it. Mm. And he said, James, he said, If I was coming on my own, 
I would have taken you up on that offer. He said, but we're coming as part of a group, so therefore we're getting a hotel. But I think that uh, I think he might. I think he thinks to himself now he, he wishes he'd taken me up on that offer. But I did say to him on Sunday that if we get Ajax, literally all you got to do is cross the road. So uh, we've even got time for a cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we'll cross that bridge and we come to it. Um, indeed, I, indeed. Yeah, I, I think night. home advantage is going to be key on on Thursday. Sorry, I think we're going to win as well. I think I think a two one, two nil or two one. I can't. Till I see the lineup myself, I think we I think we need to go strong first off, especially just kill yeah. the kill the game if we can, and then start because we've got a big game on Sunday. The key players are going to start yeah. five big ones, obviously. Get them off, mm. get them rested, ready for Sunday. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't look like Saka's. I think it looks like Saka's going to have to Thursday night off. Yeah, and that's there's good. Rumors, Sensible. There's rumours he might be back for Sunday, but Thursday, I'd completely no matter what precautions, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, play at home, Saka. Yeah, exactly. Yourself... And also, you you could argue, stay at home for the North London derby and getting back for Wolves, getting back game in his legs. I mean the London because... derby, North London derby. Yeah, yeah um, the uh, West London derby. Sorry, uh, well, West London derby. West against North. <laughs> my apologies. It's been, it's been a long old. It's been a long old week, isn't it? But that's what you want. Um, yeah, no, getting back for the. Give the London derby against Chelsea, North against West. Give that a miss. Getting back for Molyneux, uh, getting mm. back with that last game in his uh, in his in his in his legs before going to Qatar. Because what football fans need to understand is players taking it easy the weekend before the World Cup. That is when you are at risk. You've got to mm. play that game as if you play any normal game, and then you'll be ready for the World Cup when you start shying out of 50-50s or taking it easy, you run the risk of a potential injury or a pull-up and we can't be having that. No, exactly. And I don't want that. It's the one... Out of all the players, I'd be gutted if... I'd be gutted if he now does do that and drops off and basically then becomes a squad player where he deserves to be the num- one of our first choice for England because he's a fantastic player for England. In terms yeah. of England, not just for Arsenal, but from Ing- from English's point of view, mm-hmm. it gives us something different on the pitch, and we've seen it. We've seen it recently in terms of the, the Nations League stuff. Um, is it one the Italy game? He has played as a left wing back or whatever. We got, he, non-existent in the game because he, mm. even though he has played the, his career, it just because he ain't got the players around, it just didn't work. The second he got yeah. played in, the, in his proper position, where he's been nailed down for his club. Mm. You saw, a diff- you saw a, different, a completely different player, contrary to the beliefs of Tottenham fans, but that was the case. And he's he'll be he's key for England in the attacking sense because of what <laughs> he can give. We see it literally for the 20, first 27 minutes on Sunday in person. We see it consistently anyway. But what he can do, he can even run at the defence or he can get the ball, cut himself back, open himself up and get that ball in. So mm. It's not even a target, a target man. Stop the strike, but a he he can pick out a player like you saw with Martinelli on a sixpence. Mm. You need them sort of players. You need that sort of that that first that versatility in terms of how he plays, but also that yeah. vision, the, the vision that he can he can show. That I mean, for a young man, he's he's come so far, so far. So Absolutely, quickly. and I, I I fully agree, Ryan. And mm. he will not be remembered as just a player that missed a penalty. And I reiterate no, once again on for anybody now. watching, I will call out that Fulham fan in, it, when when I was in the clock end next to the away fans. I will call out that Fulham fan in August that was singing, you let your country down, you let your country down. And I actually shouted to the guy, what were you doing at the age of 19? It wasn't taking a penalty in the European Cup semi-final, uh, was it? And, and then on he ho- shut up and on said... Home t- Exactly, not even that on home turf in front of oh ninety thousand exactly. of your own fans plus millions exactly. watching at home. Yeah, and uh, I, once I said that to him about a, a Euro final, you wasn't taking a penalty. Wish you he shut up. But I also said, don't blame Saka, blame Southgate for spending all of fifteen seconds trying to convince him and Jaden Sancho to take a penalty. Yeah, an amateur, no. an amateur manager wouldn't have done that. If I was. If I was in charge of the FA, I'd have sacked him for that alone. I also would have sacked him after the worst home performance in 96 years. 
And I'm convinced that it's it's gone under the radar. Oh, it was at Molyneux, but it still remains still remains the worst result in 96 years. That's a, yeah. when I saw the Hungary result, I thought that's I didn't expect him to be in the job the next morning. I really didn't. And I don't often talk about international football, Ryan, but it's as if the FA they love to waste time. Love to waste time. Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be all right. Don't waste time. Put the best person there. They could have maybe maybe Graham Potter, although he's he's loving life at Chelsea. Yeah, he's now moved on. Now, yeah, he's now moved on. Uh, Chris Wilder out of work. Sean Dyche mm. is a good manager. They will be my three. People often say about um, oh, it's okay to have a foreign manager, and I say, well, no, you wouldn't accept a foreign prime minister, would you? Should we should we get rid of? Um, Rishi Sunak then and employee Emmanuel Macron, same thing. Mm. Exactly, the, yeah. exactly the same thing. And when I say that to people, they're like, oh, you're right. I said, it's not about being right. I said, international football is supposed to be the best of what one country has got against the best of another. When mm. you start blurring the lines, then what's the point? Because what people need to realise is all the success stories from Cameroon to Uruguay, from Portugal to, to Ghana in 2010, Hmm. It's their own people that done it, and it's their own people who in, um, incentivize the next generation. You know, I mean, yeah. my first World Cup in 1990 with Cameroon, Cyril Makanaki, Oman Bieg, Roger Miller, Thomas Nkono. Why do those? Why do I? How do I still know their names? Because you've never seen anything like it. You were you, you were um, you were confronted with with something new. Those green shirts with a big lion on it playing with heart, playing with passion, playing with pride. And Cameroon, along with Uruguay in 2010, I think it's the best display of of Europe of of what well, I say European. The best display of international pride. I think for their respective countries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's priceless. Absolutely mm. absolutely priceless. And I just think when you try to when people like like here in the Netherlands quickly there's a section that were banging the drum for a foreign coach of the Netherlands, a section of the media. And I said, no, no, no way. And this, the story of Danny Alves as well. Danny Alves loved to tell the whole of Brazil that um, Pep Guardiola was going to become the manager of Brazil, but the public wouldn't have it. Of course the public wouldn't have it. You're talking about the, the most Outside glamorous the nation on earth who are probably going to win their sixth title at a canter with their own manager, their own players. And um, obviously with the election results of Brazil, they're on a high. So I think it's going to be a, it's going to be party time in Rio and Sao Paulo and Manaus in, uh, in Brazil the next couple of weeks, because I think Brazil are going to stroll towards it. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's, it has been a long time coming in that sense, because it, what, 2002, yeah. they last won the World Cup. So, but yeah, been been a couple of decades. If you're we shall now. see. I mean, obviously, obviously, I want England to win. I'll be keeping a close eye on uh, the Netherlands, of course, being here. But my money is on Brazil. Yeah, yeah and, Brazil uh, haven't. Yes, sorry, uh, Brazil haven't looked this strong since they won it. In exactly. terms of my opinion, because every yeah. World Cup since, for me, I've never really. I've always said no. They're not. It's just not the same. Brazil is not this. It's not that. And even when they hosted it, I was like. They're not going to win it just because they're hosting it. They're not going to win it. And the bookies have favourites. It's just it's just because they're hosting it. They're the favourites. And I'm like, no, that's not the case yeah. because we've got Germany. I, I backed Germany that World Cup because well, what I saw four years prior in the, the South Africa World Cup, that young, yeah. vibrant team that got to the semi final. Yeah. And then you add four years' age onto that, the old the Meza Erzels and all that. Um, Philip Lahm. Philip Lahm, Cruz. Thomas Muller, Thomas Muller, Manuel, Manuel Neuer, but Philip yeah. Lahm. All, fan, all these fantastic players were now naming. They were young players at the time, 2010. Yeah. Fast forward four years, they had that experience, that hunger to go once, at, not just once at Furman to the final, but actually win it. Yeah, and they did. Well, well, well done with your bet. I backed Argentina that World Cup, and uh, so well done on that one. One of us is happy. <laughs> <laughs> One of us was happy, but um, quickly before I sign off, I was at Ellen. Yeah. I, there's a lot of Messi fans, of course. Messi, Messi. Mm. I was at Ellen Road, 
and the, the guy said, oh, Argentina, Messi, Messi. I said, look, I said, you're entitled to your own opinion. I said, it's always about respecting the opinions of others. I said, but look back into history. The winner has always been the best manager with the best players. And there's only ever been eight teams that have won it. I mm. said, Lionel Scaloni, who was supposed to be caretaker and nothing more, when he comes up against a Van Gaal, a Tite, a, um, a Didier Deschamps, a Hansi Flick, I think mm. they're going to turn him inside out. And I, yeah. that's why I don't think Argentina will win it. And I think, I think the, the outpouring of grief when Messi doesn't win it, I think you'll be mm. able to hear it from where you are. Yeah, I'll be able to hear it. Where literally, you'll be able to hear them crying. Literally, yeah. you, you will be able to hear them crying. Literally, but yeah, literally, fo- football, fo- football doesn't football like that. But George Best no, never definitely. played in a World Cup. Johan Cruyff never won it. Eusebio never won it. It's it's just it's part of life, isn't it? It, no, it exactly. either happens for, happens for you or it doesn't. And yeah, exactly. And I was, ever it seems ever since Messi. Broke into into that 2006 World Cup squad. It's like because it obviously in the four years on from the next World Cup, it was like, oh, it's Messi. He's gonna he's gonna carry him to the world. Like no player can no individual in modern times. No individual yeah. player carries their a, a national team to the final and win it. Hmm. We saw in France '98 the whole in, in terms of the final. Just worry about things up. Uh, host nation France against Brazil. The Brazils have uh, had, had Ronaldo, uh, original Ronaldo, by the way, proper Ronaldo. Yeah, proper, proper Ronaldo. Who's who? When you look at his stats, it's, it's, I, I saw a great quote the other day about um, Michael Jackson. You know, he was famous as he was, but there was no internet around the, in those times. But the whole world mm. knew who he was. So yeah. there was no internet, but the, knew, the whole world knew who Michael Jackson was. Yeah, and the, the, the how he transcended music in that respect. And if you look at, um, as you say about the um, the original Ronaldo, his 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 Dutch for a Brazilian is nothing short of incredible. Mm. It's it's unreal. <laughs> it's Literally, every, every every Dutchman that I tried to send you the video when after this, um, every Dutchman that listens to to the proper Ronaldo speaking Dutch, they get all teary eyed because they think, wow. You've got the possibly one of the greatest of all time, showing the modesty and the intelligence and the um, and the character to learn the language to the best of his ability. And there's a he even said in Dutch English that I love my football, and if I can't play football, I'm broken. And literally, when he said that in in Dutch, people were literally crying because it's so sincere. It's nothing short of unreal. No, exactly. And, does it... and as we've seen since he's obviously retired, he didn't go into coaching enough. Think from what I can make out, and he's not he's not the same as what he was in terms of having that. He goes, he goes, he goes to these events, these World Cup events, and all that. But it's just like. Yeah. You can tell he misses the game. He's a bit like yeah. Paul Gascoigne when Paul Gaza when Gascoigne retired. He tried, even though Gaza tried management, taking taking yeah. out the equation and all the other stuff for a moment here, personal yeah. life. You can tell when you see when you when you see Paul Gascoigne, you can tell he misses the game. He yeah. he craves he loves football as as much as much as as Ronaldo mentions himself. Mm. It's them plays that we need to sort of look out for base because they are generational they are what we again what we've grown up with and I'm yeah. we're in our when our respectively in our 30s here yeah and the players we've we've seen throughout the years and we can literally name two to three eleven world class 11s of mm. global of global players and you wouldn't no matter what squad you pick you wouldn't when you pick them up against each other you wouldn't know who'd win because of how fantastic yeah. they were and how much they loved the game and how much they appreciate the game from that from that era. Yeah. The way the football's the way the football's going now, the the, the De Bruyne's of this world, once they go on to retire, they're set for life because of what they've got thought um, financial wise, but yeah, they won't have that appreciation like Ronaldo, like mm-hmm. Gaza, like even Dennis Burkamp from an Arsenal perspective. Yeah. 
all them sort of that, that generational play because they appreciated what they had. They had to graft to get there, but mm. also graft to hold on to it for the entire uh, career. Uh, absolutely. And finally, before I sign off, Ryan, I don't... Yeah, sorry, I've been holding been... you on for the next half hour. I do apologise. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been a... No, it's been a it's been a wonderful um, podcast tonight, as it always is with you. Um, finally, I'd like to give you a massive compliment because uh, we've been doing podcasts for a long time, but I don't think I don't think we've ever had a show where you've made uh, um, so, such fantastic points as you have tonight. So uh, I I tip my hat. I tip my hat. I think you've been you've been on you're on great form tonight, especially with some great points about the the Spurs Champions League group and the. The proper Ronaldo, and um, you know the likes of picking Germany in 2014. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I I always like to whenever somebody's due a compliment, uh, I always like to pay it to them. Right. So you've been on great form tonight, very well done, and l- let's hope we'll be speaking again soon, but not discussing who the uh, opponent is on the draw of uh, the seventh of November. Playoff, let's wait until uh, let's know. wait until February. <laughs> Hopefully, our next our next, comp, our next uh, podcast will be just before the World Cup and join the World yes. Cup. Obviously, but yeah, just before the World Cup, players to work out for, teams to work out yep. for, this, that, and the other, and yep. not the Fantastic. not the and not the latter of playoff no, games. We'll, we'll, no, I can't we'll, do we can do games. maybe a show talking about the Netherlands, for example, and then another yeah. show with players to watch out for. And yeah, so exactly. There, yeah. there, there are we we've got options. As I say, I've got. Um, I am. Um, I'll be at Zurich, and then I'll be at Molyneux, and then that'll be me for the, for the year time from when mm. I'm back from, back from Molyneux on the 13th of November. So mm. um, I'll have time uh, that week before the World Cup. We can maybe plan in. A, we can one talk or something two. at the other time. Yeah, once you're back. Yeah, and all we'll, that. We'll, we'll work it out if 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 the Netherlands don't make it through the group, which is unlikely. But if they don't, and the, the earth shatters, then I'll be able to give you reaction from this end <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, it'll be it'll be great fun. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, if, Netherlands, if, if, if the Netherlands don't get out of that group, I don't know what I'll do. As a, even as a neutral, I don't know what off because that they they have to win that. Not even just get out of it, but win the group. I think they are, it's for me. They're I'm not just saying it because you're here, but I've, they've, they're they're going to win the group. Sure, I know there's there's some decent teams and the, there's decent teams in that group, but. With the experience of Van Hull, even though there's a young squad, but with the experience of Van Hull and um, I'm assuming David Blint will be taken, David and Danny will be taken as even consultants or part of the coaching set, yeah. just to, as I add that experience on the touchline. Yeah. To, um. They, yeah, I don't, I don't see them struggling in the group. Put it that way. Uh, no, but they've got Danny Blind, Edgar Davids as well. I believe my yeah, Edgar Davids, uh, Rips, which will also be involved. I interviewed him a couple of years back. But the 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 fi- my final point today about Vachal, he's got to get the goalkeeping situation sorted. Quick, I'm not well, yeah. bi- I'm not biased because I've interviewed Mark Flecken, but Mark Flecken deserves to be the number one. Hmm. I'm not I'm not but I'm not saying it because I interviewed him when he was an unknown and nobody knew who he was. He was playing in the third division of of Germany at that time, and he came for the youth setup at Rode ESA, who are now a first division club. But if you look at his team, Freiburg, they hardly ever concede. They, yeah. they hardly. I mean, they're a great collective, Freiburg, but they hardly ever concede. So if you are in such form where you are hardly conceding a goal, surely you have got to be the number one for your national team, and with Sillerson as well. Sillison is a competent goalkeeper, there's no doubt about that. But Sillison appears to be expecting to get the nod. He's ex- it's as if he's expecting to get it. And I firmly believe if if Vachal picks Mark Flecken and takes Xavi Simons and takes Dan Juma, he'll go a lot further than if he doesn't. But as I say, he's picked 39 players, only 26 of them can go. So yeah. uh, tough, uh, tough decisions for him and... Um, be very interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, um, just before we go, uh, Steve D asked me saying great stuff between the two of you. Definitely, brought, uh, you definitely brought you both. Uh, both of us brought our A games today, basically. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very you. much for the kind words. No, and I second that. Obviously, uh, Steve, especially if you appreciate it. And again, for all the watchers and people watching this back, or listeners are watching this on audio. Again, thank you very much. If you want to give us a rating on on Spotify and all that, we'd greatly appreciate it. 
as I say, um, hopefully me and James, the next time we'll be talking on this on this channel, on this podcast, will not be for a playoff, potential playoff draw. It'll be for the World Cup in a couple, in a few weeks' time, hopefully, Touchwood. Um, again, for- hopefully you have a safe journey back to London. And have a thank you very much and a, and a fantastic night. Hopefully, touch wood, and we get the result we need and all that. Thank you very much. And um, and say, and obviously, a safe journey back to Amsterdam. Obviously, thank you very much indeed. And this is this is what it's all about. And I second, hopefully, we won't be speaking in the Champions League playoff, but if we are, then we are, and that's also great fun. So, look forward to next time, pal. Yeah, no worries, mate. And for anyone that's new to the channel, if you want to subscribe, uh, smash that like button and share the content. That's massively appreciated as well. It does help the channel grow and obviously more more eyes to get on this, more like it, YouTube, you, the, the algorithm will plug it themselves as well and get more, even more eyes and we'll grow the community even more quicker than what we are at this current rate and we are growing it very, very fast. Um, yeah. Uh... I'm trying to think now. The next time you'll see me, it'll be on Thursday for the Europa League match against Zurich. How oh, did I almost forget that? The last game for crying out loud. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll be doing the stream for the what is uh, home game with Zurich, uh, Liam and a few of the guys on for that, as we always do for these watch-alongs. And then on the weekend, oh, we've got possible po- possible podcast on Friday uh, evening. Uh, Saturday will be the match, even though last night playing at all. On Saturday will be on Sunday, even though last night playing, we'll be the match of the day. This is only like one game, then it won't be no point. But we'll play it by ear on that side of things. I'll check that. And then on Sunday, you're getting not just one, you're getting two back to back watch numbers again because in the broadcasting, in the UK broadcasting system, in their infinite wisdom, they've put the women at, at one time. I mean, so you've got the you got the men at twelve. As soon as they finish, the women play, and I'm just like, give them a bit of breathing space. You want the WSL to grow and get more, yeah. Going bang, bang. It's like, yeah. So yeah, you got to get two back to back streams, and both games will be covered on here on the channel. Chelsea v Arsenal, and obviously the Arsenal women are playing away this weekend I believe I need to double check that I think they're playing I think they're playing now I think it's video or something like that I need to double check but we'll be coming both games on Sunday and then we go from there yeah and until then guys enjoy the rest of your evening basically and hopefully we're all we're all Arsenal like fans tonight Marseille till we die (laughs) for 90 90 minutes Hello, Chris Waddle until then, as always, up the Arsenal. Come on, you gunners. Up the Arsenal. Come on, you gunners.